Thank you for listening to Willamette Community Church's sermon series online. Join us as Pastor Scott continues our discussion on biblical maturity. Good to see you today. We're going to have a good time opening up God's Word and, and sharing a few thoughts. We have started looking at this idea in the last few weeks of maturity, and I want to continue on this process. And it's not something like by lunch today we're going to be mature, not even by the end of this series we'll be mature, but we are making steps in maturity as we're looking to God and His Word. And so I want to share some great things with you today. Before I do that, though, again, I want to acknowledge Albany Christian School and this ministry that this church started in 1964. 1964, uh, people of what was then known as First Baptist Church, we later changed our name to Willamette Community Church, said, you know what, we could buy this building in town, this old building, and we could move our church worship there, and we could start a school. And, uh, and so we have had this school in this town for over 50 years. And so I want to ask a couple questions of you this morning. I'm going to ask a few people to stand. If you have been a student at any time in those 50-plus years, or if you are currently a student of Albany Christian School, any students of ACS, would you please stand at this time? We just want to see some students that we have here. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's try this with parents. If you are currently a parent of an Albany Christian School student, or if you have ever been a parent of an Albany Christian School student, would you please stand at this time? All right. Nate, thank you. And then I'm going to ask if you have ever been on staff or been a member of our school board, or if you are currently on staff or a member of our school board, would you please stand at this time, please? All right, our staff, thank you, thank you, thank you. I asked this first service, so I'm going to ask again, was there anybody who stood all three times because that means you were a student and a parent and on staff? Would you stand if you were, I don't know if there's anybody in here like that. We got one, we got one. Mac McLean. First service, we actually had four individuals who met all three of those requirements. But anyway, that is neat. Good to see you today. We just want to spend a little time acknowledging this ministry and the staff of our great school. I'm going to ask our current principal, Doug Tharp, to come up. Would you welcome him up onto the stage, please? Doug has been on staff since July, and I would just like you to tell us how things are going uh, with the start of the school year. So far, uh, from my perspective, I think I said this uh, earlier on, things are coming by me pretty fast. Uh, It's like drinking out of a fire hydrant or sitting right in the middle of the finish line of Daytona 500 race and cars just speeding by. But the teachers, from their perspective, I'm sure, uh, because they have done this for so many years and they are a finely tuned machine, uh, they're just breezing by. They're just doing fantastic. We have a super group of of teachers on staff, great students. Uh, If you guys, uh, parents out there, if you have a student who is, is in the school, I applaud you for the job you're doing bringing up your children. We just have some fantastic students in our school. Yes. 
uh, and our board, uh, just fantastic boards as well. So I'm, I'm loving it. My wife is loving it here. We love Albany. We love the church. We love the school. So God's blessed us, and we couldn't, we couldn't be more happy. Good, good. Hey, you got a blue piece of paper there? I do. What do we have there? Uh, in your folders, there is a blue piece of, of paper uh, advertising some things for ACS Sunday, uh, talking a little bit about our staff. Um, we do have uh, 285 students this year. That's preschool through uh, grade 8. Is Lisa here this service? Lisa Shane is the director of our preschool, just doing a fantastic job there, uh, keeping, keeping things rolling and on top of everything. So she does a great job. There's also on the other side ways that you could support ACS uh, as a ministry of Willamette Community Church. Um, just because we're, we call ourselves a different name, Albany Christian School, doesn't mean that there's not opportunities to be able to serve in the school as well as part of the church family. So some ways to do that, simply by praying for staff, students, our board, our teachers, um, things like that, being part of some of the events that, that uh, are taking place. Um, so anyways, just ways that uh, we as a family can contribute to the ministry as a whole. Good. You prayer warriors, you have this. Put this in your Bible, on your refrigerator. Pray for our uh, ACS staff, if you would. Doug, thank you. You're doing a great thank job. You very much. Keep up the good work. One more time, let's say thank you. As I mentioned, in the early 60s, this church is saying, you know what, if we move into this building, we can start a school, and, and they're listening to God and saying, hey, let's, let's start this uh, private Christian school in our community. And they started this idea with, let's have a school with a plus. There will be this plus where we get to talk about God in the classroom, and we will do that over the years. That uh, phrase has changed that we are teaching from a biblical foundation but God has been faithful to our school for over 50 years. And I just want to say personally, I came to this church and school in 2001. I was hired on to be the principal of this school. And, uh, and I remember just coming in and saying, man, this, this church is a great place and the school is a great place. I bring all that up because when I came uh, here in 2001... Went to uh, the first school board meeting, probably July that year, before the school year. I met a fantastic person who, for the next few years, was a great encouragement to me while he was on the school board, and then he has been while he's been a part of our uh, church as well. His name's Dick Greenwood, and uh, many of you heard that uh, Dick Greenwood went home to be with the Lord this week, and uh, he's rejoicing in the presence of God. But I look back at the history of our school and just how God has been faithful to this school. And he's been faithful to use ordinary people like us. And maybe another 50 years, stories are being told of us and how we were uh, being used by God. And so I, I want to pray a blessing for ACS and um, just uh, give God praise for my good friend, Mr. Greenwood. So would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father... Uh, we do thank you for this ministry that you have placed in this community. Um, hundreds of kids for over 50 years have been able to be ministered and educated. Uh, parents and families being uh, hearing about you, Jesus. And so we thank you for upholding this ministry. Uh, this is not because of our brains and willpower and hard work, but you have been faithful, and we give you the praise for that. And uh, so I thank you for the many people who have led in this school and served in this school. And, and I thank you 
for getting to be a part of Dick Greenwood's life and just watching him in his final days be joyful and thankful to you. I thank you that there is a hope in Jesus that we do not just pass away and that is done, but there will be another great reunion and we will celebrate you and this ministry in great ways in the coming years, in all eternity. And so I, I pray for his wife Terry and their family especially this week that you would comfort them. And uh, we just know, God, that we are on this journey and that we will have a great reunion, a class reunion one day in your presence, and I'm thankful for that. So we commit all this to you. I ask great blessing on this school this year. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we said a few weeks ago, we are people who are called to know God, to have an encounter with Him, to understand His Son Jesus and what He has done for us, to receive the gift that He offers of salvation. I know that many of you have done that. And then to grow in this relationship with God, to mature. And this is what we've been looking at the last few weeks. I want to look at this again today. I hope you have your Bibles with you. I want to invite you to turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. There's actually a book in the Bible called Numbers. It's one of the early books there when they're counting the people that are in Egypt. I'll talk about that story a little bit. They're just numbering off the people. If you want to use this Bible sitting in front of you, we're going to be on page 100. Uh, 21, 121, Numbers chapter 13. And what I want us to do today is I want us to understand more about the process of maturity. And we're going to look at another individual as we have the last few weeks, but today I want us to understand more of this process. By way of review, for the last few weeks, we've said this, that Jacob, or uh, Job was the first guy that we looked at three weeks ago. Job had to learn that God was bigger than he had ever imagined. This is what Job did he, as he's going through trials in life, as he's not understanding certain things that God is doing. Job has an encounter with God, and you can read about that, starting in Job chapter 38 to the end of the book there. Basically, God says, hey, my ways are not your ways, Job. I'm much bigger than you could have imagined Job understands, and one of the things we have to understand is God is much bigger than we could imagine, and you have to have a growing understanding of who God is if you want to mature. Then two weeks ago, we looked at a man named Jacob, also known as Israel. Jacob learned a lot about his identity, and we talked about this from the book of Genesis. Jacob understood a few things about himself. He understood, you know what, I'm a product of the fall. My parents have issues. I've got issues. I need to understand who I am. One of the things Jacob understood and one of the things we have to understand is that he was a recipient of God's grace, and you and I are as well. And so Jacob understands this as he grows in his identity. Last week, then, we looked at a man named Joseph. Joseph was one of the sons of of Jacob. Joseph, amongst other things, he understands this, that I have to trust God when I don't understand. So many things in our life we don't understand. Maybe this last week you were saying, God, I don't understand. Maybe you'll find yourself saying that this week, God, I don't understand. And in those times, like Joseph experienced, we have to trust God. We have to trust that God is at work and that he is good. And this is what we looked at last week. Well, today I want us to look at a man named Joshua. 
It's a fascinating story of his life. And I would hope that, I, I'm just going to really scratch the surface of his life, but I would hope that you would uh, consider reading more about his life. I'm going to tell you some of the places where you can look to read about his life, but let me tell you about this man, fascinating man. His story actually starts as the Israelites, he's an Israelite, as the Israelites are in Egypt. They're slaves. They're slaves for 400 years. Joseph this son of Israel, he had brought the people down to Egypt. And after a while, uh, the pharaohs enslaved the Egyptians. And the Israelites are now being enslaved. And it was this way for many years. In that time of slavery, there is a baby born. His name is Joshua. Some call him Hosea. His name is Yeshua. And he's born as a slave. He's born into this, and he looks up, and he grows up, and he says, I'm an Israelite. I live in Egypt, and my nation, we are oppressed. This is just who we are. We are slaves. And he lives this life for nearly 30 years. There's a day, though, when a man named Moses comes into town. Moses says, I have heard from God. I'm going to rescue this nation, and we're going to leave Egypt. God's going to rescue us. And so... Moses leads the people. God does miraculous signs. And you can write this down. Exodus chapter 12 and Exodus chapter 13. The nation of Israel comes out of Egypt. It's, it's very miraculous. And Joshua, he sees all of this. And this man Joshua that we're going to look at today, he's a man who exemplifies maturity. We're going to look at his life and say, here's a man who was maturing and I think one of the reasons he's maturing is, is that his life was based on a firm faith in God. His life is based on a firm faith in God. It's not that he's super smart. It's not that he went to church a lot, but that he had a firm faith in God. And this is why uh, Joshua is a man of maturity. I want to point out a few things from his life today, and, and you'll see what he saw, and hopefully you can relate your life to his life and say, I can mature in the same ways that Joshua did. So here he is, a 30-year-old. He's been a slave all of his life. He sees this man Moses coming into camp and saying, we, a nation of about a million people, we are going to leave Egypt. Joshua's watching this and saying, man, this would be great if we, if we could leave and have our own land. Moses says he's going to lead us out. I, I just can't wait to see this. And through a mir few miraculous signs, they're going out and they're leaving Egypt until they come to the Red Sea. Trouble. How are we going to cross? Pharaoh's army's coming after us. People started getting nervous. What's going to happen? God says, I got you covered. I'm going to open the sea. You walk through it. Joshua is one of these guys. He walks through this and gets to the other side and says, no way. I just walked through dry land. There was a river here. I walked through it. I look back. The water closes up as Pharaoh's army comes. They're destroyed. We survived. I saw that. Wow. Joshua saw great wonders. You can read some of this. Exodus 12, Exodus 13. And Joshua sees this. 
And as I'm looking at his life and understanding that he has a firm faith in God, he has a maturing faith in God, I think one of the things that I notice here is that this faith of his comes from noticing the wonders of God. Would you write this down? The faith that Joshua has comes from noticing the wonders of God. As he goes on with the rest of his life, he says, I remember the time when I'm about 30 and I saw what God did in my life. I cannot forget this. And because of this, I'm just going to trust him all the days of my life. You know what? As I look at that, I, I think you and I have had wonders in our life as well, right? And you and I, if we are going to have a maturing faith, if we are going to have a firm faith in God, you have to notice those wonders in your life. In fact, I would encourage you to start writing some of those down even now. You know, God has done wonders in your life. He has has saved you, maybe through health situations. He's saved you through relational situations. He's brought you out of addictions. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he has changed you. He has placed his spirit in you, and that is nothing other than a miracle. And he has done that in your life. And you and I sometimes sit there and just think, I'm going to go to church today. Oh, yeah, life is okay. Wait a second. You have experienced great wonders in your life, and many times you forget this. I forget this. We just kind of go on with life and forget the wonders that we have noticed. Can I give you a homework assignment? We're talking Albany Christian School. School and homework go together, right? Let me give you a homework assignment this week. I want you to write down some wonders that God has performed in your life, and I want you to share them with somebody. Share them with your kids. Share them with a spouse. Share them with your grandkids. Share them with a coworker. Before you share it on Facebook, and I'm not talking to do it there, before you share it on Facebook, share it with somebody eyeball to eyeball, heart to heart. And say, let me just tell you about a wonder that God has performed in my life. I did not deserve this, and I got this. God did this in my life. I thought there was no way. I started making a list this week, and I'm like, I'm not even sure my kids know some of these stories. What a shame. And if you and I want to have a a firm and maturing faith in God, you need to start writing down. And some of you that are young, you're like, I'm not sure what God has done. Then you go down and sit with your parents and say, you tell me what God has done. Joshua saw something quite amazing. And this, I believe, is the foundation of his faith in God. Now, shortly after the people of Israel, they they end up on their own. The Egyptians are gone. It's like, phew, we're making our way to our homeland. Write this down, Exodus chapter 17 fascinating story. I don't have time for it today. Exodus chapter 17, they encounter a people group and they have a fight. Moses says as the leader, okay, we need somebody to lead this. Joshua, I want you to lead this. I want you to lead this fight. So Joshua goes out and, and there's a fight and they end up winning. It's a fantastic story. But there was something interesting in this story and it's this, that Joshua, why is he picked? And I'm thinking, well, he he must have been trained. Moses, being a good leader, wouldn't just go, okay, heads up, seven up, I'll pick. You know, he's like, you, Joshua, you've been trained. As I was thinking about this, a lot of training goes unseen, doesn't it? 
We watched some football games yesterday. You might watch some today. We see them in battle. Very rarely do we see them train. We don't necessarily see what happens during the week in their training. We just see the battle. We don't see what they were doing in spring practices for training. I think the same with Joshua. We don't read much of his training. But he doesn't become a great fighter without training. I was thinking about this with you and me, that in order to have a firm and a maturing faith in God, it comes with training for the battle. It comes from this training. You and I have to be training for a battle. There is a battle at hand. There's a battle going on for your heart right now and your mind. There's going to be a battle this next week. And if we are going to not only stand, stand firm, but make up ground and help in bring others to Christ, there has to be training on our part. This is why I get excited when I see people going to a Bible study or a community group. And I honestly don't even know all the training that's going on. I don't want to know all the training that goes on. Just you and God, spend some time with God. Read the Word. Spend time talking to Him. Talk with others. That is training for this battle. You sit there and say, man, you know, when I get in a conversation with someone, I just don't know what to say. How much training have you been doing? Joshua, he's ready for this battle because he's been training. Training. I just think of you teachers, whether you're teaching at Albany Christian School or a public school or another Christian school, you train so that you could train these students. These students, they're in training. You and I as followers of Jesus Christ need to be in training. God says there's a battle constantly going on for your mind, for your heart, for others Train for this. You just can't go into battle. You just can't go into this football game without strategy, without preparation. You have to do training. Look at this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to hear this. It says, train yourself for godliness. You train yourself for godliness. It doesn't say just show up to church and let somebody else train you. You train yourself for godliness. You spend time with God's Word. You spend time talking with God. Now listen, I know some of you do physical training. That's good. It has some value. I, I was convicted by that this week and saying I need to probably do a little more physical training. But training for godliness, it has value in all areas of life. As it holds promise for this life and the life to come. You and I. Train yourself for godliness. And Joshua was doing this. So that Moses, when he says, I need you to go fight this battle, he found somebody who had been training, who had been prepared. Well, if you would, go to Numbers chapter 13. You thought I wasn't going to get there. I'm getting there now. Numbers chapter 13. I want to read from this chapter a bit. Numbers chapter 13, starting at verse 1, follow along. It says this, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now I want you to send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Important. I am giving this land to them. That's a promise. 
From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. And then it starts listing those. And I'm not going to read those because, man, those names are difficult to say. All right? But in verse 8, you see a name that looks a little familiar. Some of your Bibles will say Hosea. It might say Joshua. It's this name, Yeshua. Hosea, his name meant salvation. Later, Moses says, you know what? We're going to change your name. It's not just salvation, but your name is going to be Yeshua. Yahweh is the salvation. This God that promised us this, he's the salvation. And Joshua, he's ready to go. He's ready to spy. He's ready to be one of these 12. And I imagine he could have said, oh, this is going to be a little scary. There's only 12 of us. We're going to go check things out. I'm not sure. But Joshua says, I'm going. And it got me thinking this, because I don't know all the conversations that happened between Joshua and Moses on this. Joshua just may have said, yes, I'm going. But here's what I notice about Joshua. And it's another part of the maturing process, and it's this, being available for God's purposes. If you want to mature in your faith, you want to mature in your relationship with the Lord, you need to be available for his purposes. I imagine Joshua could have said, eh, I'm busy, or I'm scared. But he went, and he was available. And I thought, you know what, I need to mention this point because I think a lot of times God would say this to us. He'd say, listen, I want you to do something at your workplace, at your home, in your school, in your neighborhood. And you and I sit there and say, I'm kind of busy. Right? I mean, my schedule is full. I work eight days a week, right? I got, my kids have sports 13 months out of the year, God. I don't have time to do what you're asking me to do. I think sometimes we are not available. Just look at our calendars and go, man, they're just packed. Yesterday, again, I did a study on this. Just, you know, I got to-do lists at home. But I'm looking, starting at 9 o'clock, I could watch Football, with a little bit of baseball in there, from 9 a.m. all the way till 10 p.m. 13 hours. Wait, is that right? Yeah, 13 hours. Football. Like, man, I'm not available for anything, God, because my schedule's full. Or today. I mean, you could start watching football at 10 o'clock in the morning all the way till like 8 o'clock at night. That's 10 hours of football. You know, and I don't know what your vice is, but there are certain things you just say, I'm not available for a group or a Bible study or connection with other people or going out to coffee and talking about the Lord or serving somebody because I just don't have space in my life. You ever get too busy? Yeah? I just wonder if we do too. Joshua not too busy, not allowing fear or anything to interfere. He says, God, I'm available for your assignment. You know, and it's certainly more than saying, well, I'm available to go to church. You know, I'll carve out like 90 minutes on a Sunday. It's more than that, isn't it? It's just like, God, I'm going to work, but yet I'm available for whatever you'd have. God, I have kids and family, and I've got to do this, but I'm still available for what you would put in my way. Are we available? And a maturing person 
is available to God's purposes. Well, Joshua stepped up. I want you to read a a little more with me in chapter 13. Go to verse 17. Go to verse 17. It says that Moses sent them, the twelve, to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up to the Negev, go up to the hill country, and see what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Go check this out, Moses says. Be of good courage and bring some fruit of the land. Like when they're not looking, steal some of it and bring it back for us. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Go down to verse 25 if you would. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation, the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They said, look what we got. They told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. In other words, we just can't do this. God has promised it, but I'm just telling you, It's not going to work. Go to chapter 14, if you would. Then the congregation, as they heard this report, they raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. Listen, we've been wandering for a while. We've heard that God promised this, but the spies said, no, not going to work. They wept. Verse 2, and the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Oh, that we had died in the land of Egypt. That would have been better. Or that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Why it, Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. They're discouraged, aren't they? Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. And they said to the congregation, these two said to the congregation, to the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord, Yahweh, is with us. Do not fear them. Then the congregation said to stone them with stones. They said, you know what? That was a real nice speech the two of you gave. But ten others said, no way. So we're picking up stones. We want you dead because your report, too risky. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. I find this fascinating that these two 
said, you know what? God is with us. We can do this. It doesn't matter what it looks like. God is with us. We're going to be okay. Most of the people didn't like that. They, they wanted to watch Fox News and find out the majority say it's really going to be bad. I think that Joshua and Caleb, they had trained themselves. They had noticed the wonders of God before. They had a firm faith in God, partly because they were trusting in the goodness of God. Would you write this down? One of the reasons they had this firm faith and maturing faith faith is that they were trusting in the goodness of God. They weren't trusting in what they saw. What they saw was a little scary. They were trusting in the goodness of God. I got this picture this week from my good buddy Chris as we were talking, and uh, we were talking about how sometimes we look through a very small lens, and we look and say, oh man, this looks terrible right now. We see this and we say, look at that. An election's going to be in 30 days. Oh, we're in trouble. We look at something in very small lens and we say, this is bad. If Jesus would have looked through a very small lens, he would have said something like, look, it's Thursday night. Judas has betrayed me. Oh, everything's going to a bad place. I almost said something. (laughs) There are kids in here. (laughs) Friday. Oh, my. Peter's disowning me. Oh, no, they're taking me to a cross. This is bad. This is not going to turn out good. That's what happens when we look at a very small window, right? But Jesus sees all this and says, wait a second, I got a bigger picture. I can see the goodness of God. I I can see from before all time, and I can see this, and I can see that though this is dark, it's actually going to result in the purchase of many, many, many sinners who will receive new life, and I will be raised from the dead, and there will be glory on the other side because the Father is good. I can see the goodness of God. I believe that Joshua and Caleb see this. They see the land. The other ten are freaking out. They're saying, you know what? We've seen so many wonders of God. If he says he's going to be good to us, he's going to be good to us. Might be a little scary for a while. But we're not looking at life through this. You and I do this, though, don't we? We look like this and say, oh, man, it's all black. It's just miserable. I can't imagine. And you and I need to take those lenses off and just go, wait a second. God has always been good. And he's been good to me so many times. I I notice his wonders in my life. Yeah, this is dark, but I'm not looking at this. I'm looking at this. Some of you are nervous about an election or the next four years. Guess what? God is still good. He's in control. I won't even get started on this whole thing. i got 30 days to do that. But listen, God is good. This is what Joshua is saying. And the people are like, man, that's, I don't like that report. Let's pick up rocks and kill this guy. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> and if you and I lose sight of the goodness of God, all your difficulties are going to seem too overwhelming, right? If you don't see the goodness of God and trust in that, the enemy is going to always seem too strong. 
If you don't have a great view of the goodness of God, the fight that you're in is just not going to seem worth it. You're going to say, I just just want out of here. And Joshua, he's trusting in the goodness of God. Now, because of his maturity, because of this report, we get to this. Write this down. You can look this story up later. In Numbers chapter 27, there's starting to be a handoff. Moses realizes, I'm about done. God's appointed you, Joshua, to lead these people into the new land. At the end of Numbers 27, we read some of this handoff taking place. Why does Joshua get to be the leader of this great nation? I think it goes back to one, Joshua remembers and notices the wonders of God. Joshua has been training himself for battle. Joshua has been trusting in the goodness of God. But I also notice this, that Joshua is expecting God to use him. And if you want a maturing faith, if you want a firm faith, you need to be expecting God to use you. Expecting God to use us. You know, he wants to use you today and this week. Not just, well, someday maybe when I get really mature and have the Bible memorized, he'll use me. No, 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 no. He wants to use you now. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are an ambassador for Christ at your workplace, in your community, at your school, in your neighborhood, in your family. He says, I want to use you now. Expect to be used. Expect this. I think the whole time Joshua was saying, uh, I'm expecting... I'm expecting Moses to call my number again. Oh, you want me to lead the whole nation now? Okay, I'm ready. God's doing that with us as well. I think one of the greatest things I heard in my life, I was a freshman in college, someone said, Scott, you know what? If you would pursue God, He's going to use you in great ways. I was like, me? He's like, yeah, you. I look back, and that's been a few years, and I'm like, You know, God's done some cool things through a knucklehead like me. Just try to pursue him. And he says, I'll use you. And he's doing the same with every single one of you. You don't have to be on a church staff. No, you are a follower of Christ. He says, I want to use you. Expect God to be using you. He says, I'll deepen your faith. I will. And I want you to notice the wonders that I've done And I want you to be available. And I want you to train yourself. I want you to always trust in my goodness. And I want you to know I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to do great works. Even today, this week. Well, Joshua, he becomes this great hero. You can read more of this in the the book of Joshua. All right, He does many things, and he conquers this city, Jericho. And some of you kids learn this when you have, uh, grow up in the church. But he comes a, Joshua becomes a godly man. He becomes a mature man. He becomes firm in the faith. And it's because he's noticing the wonders of God. He says, look what I saw. I'm never going to forget this. He says, I'm going to train myself. I'm going to do this behind-the-scenes training because God's going to call my number someday. I'm going to be available for His use. I'm going to always trust in His goodness. And I'm expecting that God's going to use me mightily. That's Joshua, Yeshua of the Old Testament. 
There's a, another baby born in Bethlehem. He's given the name Yeshua. Through different translations of Greek and then to English, we call him Jesus. But this Yeshua, same thing. He was one who knew the wonders of God. He's like, I was there. We spoke and the universe comes into existence. I know the wonders of God. And he trains himself and he grows up. He was fully man. He had to learn the scriptures. He trains himself. Certainly available when the father says, listen, son, I want you to go and pay for the sins of the world. He says, I, I'm available. I know that you're good. The crucifixion looks bad, but I know that you're good. And we are expecting to do great things. And this Jesus does this. Joshua of the Old Testament is a hero, but really this points to Jesus, not only our greatest superhero, but our Savior, our Lord. And the same story is for us. And it's not necessarily that you work harder this week and it's like, okay, I got to try harder. It just starts by saying, simply notice the wonders that God has done in your life. You're like, I don't, actually, I don't know of any wonders. Put your name on a card. Put it in the joy box. We'll have a conversation, and I'll just tell you some of the wonders I've experienced then, okay? But you start noticing the wonders that God has done in your life, how he has saved you, how he's worked in your life. You then go through training. You say, God, I'm going to spend time with you in your word. I'm going to talk to you. I need you to grow me. I'll spend time with you, and he will train you. You say, God, I'm available, and he will use you mightily. You trust in his goodness and not just looking through a small view of what's going on in front of you. And then you expect that God will use you mightily just like he did with his own son. He will use us mightily. You see, this is just the time where we get together and we get strengthened in his word and we encourage each other and we talk a little bit because the mission field is when we leave these doors today. That's where God says, I ex expect to be used because I'm going to use you this week. And what he's doing, he says, I'm maturing you. I'm deepening your faith. You trust in me. And we're changing the world. We're changing the world. So our responsibility, if you want a more mature life, you want to have a faith that is more firm and solid, we need to be investing in this process of strengthening our faith. Investing in this process. Investing in this process of remembering, noticing God's wonders by training ourselves. Investing in this process of trusting in His goodness when it looks dark and bleak. Investing in this process of being available and expecting Him to work mightily in your life. I'm going to ask that you close your eyes, bow your head. Reflect on this with me for a moment. I want you to know, and I believe God wants you to know, that he wants to mature you. He wants your faith to deepen in him. He wants you to have a view that's smaller or much larger than what you see right now. He wants this. He wants you to recount his wonders. 
He wants you to train yourself for godliness. I want you to spend some time talking with the Lord and hearing from Him. I don't know what He is asking of you or calling you to do. Maybe reminding you that yes, He is good. That yes, He is with you. And that he has done great works in your life so that you can share that with others. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this story of taking somebody who came from poverty and slavery and you rescued him in many ways. And we look back and say, well, that's a hero. But it's not really even about Joshua. It's about you, that you did all this work through that person. And it's not that anybody would look at us and go, that's a hero, because we're not. We're just ordinary people that you save and change and use. And God, while we have breath in our lungs, you want to mature us. Sometimes we have forgotten about how good you've been to us. We've forgotten about your overall goodness throughout all time. God, I confess we, we get busy and we just say, not available. God, we have not done a great job of training ourselves for godliness. I thank you that you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love for us. And you say, I am growing those roots and I'm strengthening your faith for us, but really for your glory, for all the people that we would come in contact with. So God, again, change us today, grow us today. Set us on another path for this coming week that we would seek you. I thank you that you are at work in us. We just, we don't see it. Sometimes we don't believe it. But we trust in your goodness in our lives. We commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you please stand. We are going to rejoice because God is for us. He is working in us. Let's sing praise to our King. Thank you for listening to Willamette Community Church's sermon series online. Join us again next week as we continue our study.